0: One announcement that I forgot to make a while ago is that next Sunday is Father's Day. And for Father's Day, we'll be having a an all-men's-based service. And so you're going to see some different faces up here next week leading the music and, and preaching and uh, playing music for us. All-men's choir, which will sing great, I know. And so I encourage everybody to come uh, next week for that. It'll be a little different, but it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, these men's days are pretty... Uh, Pretty fond memories for me uh, because that's that's really when I first got started preaching. Uh, I was on those opportunities in Men's Day. Brother Ernie was always uh, good to give me opportunities, and I thank you for that. I didn't realize what a blessing it was to have opportunities to preach God's Word until I got to seminary. And many of my friends who were going into the ministry had never preached a sermon in a church. And I had preached probably a dozen or more times growing up throughout the years. And thank you, Brother Ernie, for, for, for giving me the opportunity uh, to preach the Word. Well, praise the Lord. And so uh, these men's days are something that's, that are near and dear to my heart and something that, Lord willing, we'll be able to do for years to come. We will be continuing on in Mark this morning. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Just a few short verses today. This is not quite as heavy as some of the stuff we've looked at the last couple of weeks. We talked about fasting a couple of weeks back, and uh, then we talked about the Sabbath day uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, both of those things were kind of heavy, kind of kind of serious topics, especially when we dealt with the Sabbath. But today, uh, not quite as heavy as, as those things. My, uh, Mark chapter 7, or excuse me, Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Mark chapter 3. Verse 7. We'll read through verse 12. Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea, and a large crowd followed from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. The large crowd came to him because they heard about everything he was doing. Then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him so the crowd would not crush him since he had healed many all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him whenever the clean spirit saw him excuse me whenever the unclean spirit saw him those possessed fell down before him and cried cried out you are the son of god and he would strongly warn them not to make him known let's pray Father God I pray that you would Let your Holy Spirit work on our hearts today that we would hear clearly your words. I pray that your Spirit would work on us today, that we would hear what we need to hear, that your words would work in our heart in the way that they need to work, God. Maybe there are some things that you need to reveal to us that are going on in our life that we're not aware of, maybe some sin that's there or some thoughts that are there, God. God, maybe you're just bringing us joy today. God, maybe we find encouragement in your Word. Whatever it may be, God, let us hear what our spirit needs to hear. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just come upon us, that you would be glorified in this place and that every word I say would be for you and for the upbuilding of this this church, dear Lord, to help us to grow in you, to help us to put our faith and trust in you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. If you have ever watched... The movies, Fast and the Furious before, there's like a thousand of them and they keep making them. If you've ever watched them, you will find really quick that there's a lot of action Uh, from one scene to the next. Bam, bam, bam. It's all action. It's always tough. It's always a lot going on. There's never time to catch your breath. Now those movies started as movies about cars and car chases and racing and all of those things. And they are action-packed movies and now they have spread the brand of this action-packed type of movie making to other movies. And now there's a movie out, uh, something and something, uh, presented by the Fast and the Furious. And when you see that it's presented by the Fast and the Furious, you will know what you're getting set for. You're getting set for an action-packed something. It's going to be action-packed. It's going to be bam, bam, bam. Not a lot of time to catch your breath. And that is what I would say we would apply to the book of Mark. Uh, If if the Fast and the Furious were going to present a gospel, it would probably be uh, Mark presented by the Fast and the Furious. Because Mark's Uh, portrayal of of the gospel account may be a little more fast and furious than let's say uh, Matthew, Luke, and John's account. It is from one thing to another. Now we've seen that now that we've gotten into Mark chapter 3. Is that Mark goes from one thing to another relatively quickly. Now, we haven't gone relatively quickly. We've been in here for over two months now. But if you just sit and read through the whole book uh, on your own, you can finish it pretty quickly. It's only 16 chapters. But Mark goes from one thing to the next very quickly. Uh, Bam, bam, bam. Also, we see uh, Mark's portrayal of the disciples and of Jesus being a little different from the other Gospel accounts. Now, each of the writers who are writing these gospel accounts uh, kind of have their own uh, view that they're trying to get across, and that's something that we see even in our writers today. If a journalist is going to report on a news story, there may be a certain angle that one journalist wants to bring out uh, that another journalist maybe not focus on so much. And so, Mark's uh, bringing out different things that we may not see in other gospel accounts, and vice versa, they bring out different things too. It's important for us to read through all the gospel accounts when we are reading so that we can get kind of a full picture of all the different viewpoints and different, different things that the different writers are going to point out to us. Now up until this point in the gospel of Mark, we see uh, this, this just kind of moving from place to place. Once Jesus started his ministry, he is going. Bam, bam, bam. He's healing the sick. He's casting out the demon. Crowds are are coming to Him. Uh, He's going from this place. He's escaping to that place. There's groups that are always pressing down on Him. He's called the disciples. He's had a run-in with the Pharisees. They're upset with Him for this. They're mad at Him for this. They're mad at Him for that. And from one thing to the next, Mark doesn't give us a break in the text. He pretty much goes right into the next thing. And that's what we have seen over the last few weeks. Now, in particular, over the last few weeks, we've really seen the collision course that Jesus has been on with the Pharisees who are coming against him. Now, uh, Jesus is in Capernaum at this point in the verses that we are looking at right now, uh, and he moves from place to place pretty quickly, as we have seen in the text, that he uh, said that he's not going to stay in one place for a long time. His calling, his service to the Father is to go and to preach the gospel everywhere. So Jesus traveled a lot who knows how much ground that Jesus actually covered in his three and a half years of ministry now here we see a mark kind of shifting gears after after Jesus had this collision course with these uh, Pharisees now we see the gears shifting kind of uh, Jesus moving on to another area now in verse 7 it says Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea and a large crowd followed now This is a common theme we've seen. We're only three chapters and a few verses in, but this idea of crowds being attracted to Jesus is something Mark has already pointed out for us a couple of times. Now, Jesus had his disciples at this point, and we'll talk more about those disciples next week. And Jesus departed with his disciples, uh, the group that was with him uh, pretty much throughout his whole ministry. And they departed to to the sea and a large crowd followed them. Now, when it says large crowd, Mark goes on to explain to us and give us an idea maybe of just how large that crowd is. Now, not necessarily by giving us the numbers, but by giving us uh, an idea of all of the different people groups that were represented here following Jesus. There were crowds from Galilee. Now, Galilee was, was kind of like a, a, a region, I guess maybe a good way to describe it. It wasn't a town like Liberty. It was kind of like a region, maybe like Amit County. Uh, you could say you're going to Amit County, and that's a big area. There are lots of cities there. And that's what Galilee would have been. It would have been a region, a pretty large region, that would have been a representative of several different cities. Uh, so when it says that those followed him from Galilee, that's a pretty big area. That would have been probably a lot of people that would have come from Galilee also from Judea from Jerusalem, Idumia, Edomia, again, is a region that's at the southern part of what would have been Israel. It would have been down south between Israel and between Egypt, where it kind of wraps around. That would have been that area. And so some of these places that are described here are towns, and some of them are regions that are represented by the people who are following Jesus. Some came from uh, beyond the Jordan. That would have been to the east, uh, kind of southeast of, of where uh uh, Galilee would have been, or excuse me, where Capernaum would have been, where Jesus was at. Uh, so there were people that were that were in every direction, essentially, is what Mark is is showing us here. Some from around Tyre and Sidon, which would have been to the northwest of where Jesus would have been at in Capernaum. And so all of these different uh, people groups are represented here. So this is not just a few people who are following Jesus. Now, I don't know how many it is. Some scholars uh, have estimated and guessed that it could have been uh, tens of thousands of people that were following Jesus. And that would not be hard for me to imagine and believe. Uh, It could have been just a couple of thousand. We just don't know. But the fact that there were so many regions and cities who were represented here leads me to believe that it was probably a lot of people. That and the fact of what Jesus was doing. The fact that he was healing people of their diseases and casting out demons would have no doubt attracted many people. Now, when Mark gives this description of this list, if you look at a map, what you will see is almost all of the, of the areas of, the, uh, of Israel at that time were represented from people in this list. So the word had traveled far and wide. And these people who had traveled from Idumea, for instance, had traveled approximately 100 miles or a little more. That would have been about what the distance was from Idumea to Capernaum, where Jesus was at in this text. Now, that's a long way to travel back then, for sure. That's a long way to travel today. And we've got cars. We've got cruise control. We've got air conditioning. We can stop and get a snack on the way. And even still drive on 100 miles It's a long way to drive. That would be like us going from here to Jackson, let's say a little further than that even are us going to new orleans that's a lot of distance to cover and that's how far some of these people came to see jesus and perhaps there were some from even further i don't know uh, and they would have had to travel then not by car but they would have had to have traveled by foot or by, by some type of animal that they would have been able to ride it would have been a long journey to get there so you can imagine what that's like. If you've ever waited in line for something for a long time, if you've been waiting for something or you've traveled somewhere to get something and then you don't get what you've been waiting for, boy, it's frustrating. You, you're willing to do anything you can. If you've come this far, you will not be denied. And that was probably the mindset of some of these people who had come to see Jesus. Now some of them, no doubt themselves, were sick. Some of them perhaps had heard the tale of Jesus where he was uh, teaching and preaching from the house and the four friends brought their paralyzed friend and removed the roof and dropped the man through the roof. Perhaps there were others who had heard that story and they were bringing their, their friends and their relatives that could not bring themselves and people were coming from far and wide and they were crowding in on Jesus. Jesus. Now, Mark really, really shows us the the difficulties of, of I say difficulties. I would consider them difficulties, or, or the hardness of uh, of 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 the ministry of Jesus and the disciples here. It's not that Jesus was going out upon a stroll and he would occasionally see people and he would preach to them and he would go home every day and he would just rest and everything was nice and easy and everything was cool and everything was fine. What Mark shows us is that things were much more fast and furious than that. That is that there really was not (coughs) not much rest it would appear for Jesus and the disciples as we see from the other gospel accounts. The crowds were always coming on them. The crowds were coming from far and wide, no matter where they were, in the city or in a deserted place, as Mark has already told us. The crowds were always pressing in on Jesus. They were always coming in on Jesus. And you can imagine how, how that would wear you over time. Now, some people do really good in crowds. Some of you, it energizes you to be in crowds. Uh, Some of you don't really like to do crowds. It drains you to be in crowds. But even those of us who may like to be in crowds, when we're in crowds constantly and there's people around and there's noise around and there are things going on, I would venture to say that every one of us looks forward to some time when we get to get to the quiet, when we get to take a break, when we get to breathe, when we get to have some air and some space around us. And I would assume that Jesus and the disciples would have been no different. This probably would have worn on them over time. Jesus was God, yes, but he was fully human. And I believe that he was worn out and he uh, had days where he was probably tired just like you and I would be. And so this ministry that he was doing was a successful ministry in that the people were coming. But the problem was, were all those people coming to hear the message or were they coming simply to be healed? Well, we don't know the answer to that. I'm sure there were many who were coming to be healed. And and Mark may even lead us to believe that that's the case here in this passage by saying that all of those had heard what he was doing and all the sick and diseased had come to him. So it would appear that what they were hearing about were, was the healings maybe more so than the teachings. Now, Jesus did the healings, but his main purpose was to preach and teach the message of God to the people. And he did that, and even through his healings, I'm sure many turned to him and listened to what he had to say because of what he had done. There are people in the world today who are no different when they hear about Jesus or when they hear God's words preached. There are some people in the world who come to Jesus just for what they can get from him. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to come to church today because I had not been in a while, but I really have this new job promotion and I really need help with this. So I'm going to come and I'm going to pray to you, Jesus, because I need you to help me. And then sometimes people come to church and they get what they want and then they don't come to church again. And they only come to Jesus as Jesus is someone who can just give them what they want. But they're not really seeking a relationship with Jesus. And we need to be careful of this. Jesus is not just our genie in a lamp uh, that, that, that we could just come to. Yes, Jesus loves us. Yes, Jesus does provide for us. Yes, Jesus does meet our needs and he is proud to do so I believe and and we are glad that, that that he does that for us but we should never view Jesus as someone who is just there to give us what we want Jesus is not there to serve us we are here to serve Jesus now Jesus has served us by giving his life on the cross Jesus served us in the best way that he possibly could. He humbled himself to death on a cross. And now, when we come to Jesus, he is calling us to serve him. When we surrender to him and become a Christian, what we are saying is, Lord Jesus, I am surrendering myself to you. I am humbling myself before you so that I can serve you. And if our mindset is, what can Jesus do for me, perhaps we need to flip the script and say, Lord Jesus, what can I do for you? It's not that we are never to ask Jesus for things. It's not that we are not to go to Jesus for our healings and go to Jesus with our worries and our concerns and our needs. Jesus wants us to come to him for those things. But Jesus should never be looked at as someone that is just there for us to go to for our things that we want, but someone that we should go to to serve because of what he has done for us. Now, there were some who were coming to him, probably, to hear the message of the word. But Mark gives the impression, at least to me, that the most of the crowd might have been there just to be Healed. We don't want to be those who seek Jesus just for what he can do for us, but we come to Jesus because of what he has already done for us. Let's read a little further. <clears throat> the large crowd came to him because they heard about everything he was doing. Verse 9. Then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him so the crowd would not crush him. Now here Mark gives us a detail of just how big and bad the crowd was. Jesus tells the disciples to get a boat ready. Essentially what Jesus is saying, I believe, is we need an escape plan. We need a way to get out because the crowd was so large uh, that the crowd was going to crush them. Now that's a pretty big crowd. If you've ever been in a really really big crowd before, and you feel people pressing in on you, boy, it doesn't take long until that gets kind of old. That gets kind of scary, especially if the crowd is kind of rowdy. Maybe you've been to a concert where people are jumping around and acting crazy. Uh, maybe you've been somewhere where people were protesting or, or rioting and the crowd was bad and people were pressing in on you and running by you. And boy, that's a that's kind of a scary thing when there are that many people, and they're all wanting to get to Jesus. They're all coming to Jesus. They're all wanting to touch. Jesus, whatever they can do. Remember, they've traveled far and wide, and they've traveled all that way, and some of them were probably thinking, I've come all the way from Idumea. There he is. He's just right there from me to that door. He's just so close. I can get there. I can squeeze in, and all of these people are squeezing, and all of these people are pressing, and all of these people are reaching out to Jesus, and you can imagine what that scene might have been like for Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus, seeing this large crowd, knowing that they were coming in, knowing that they were crowding and that they were pressing in upon them, Jesus tells his disciples, we need an escape plan. Get a boat ready so we can go out to sea. If we need to escape the crowds, we have a way to get away from them. Now this is a pretty common theme that we see in the Gospel accounts, that is Jesus and his disciples being in the boat. Uh, that was probably a a, a chance for them to rest, although even times there were boats that would come out with them. Uh, But being out at sea would be a way for Jesus and the disciples to get away from the crowds, even momentarily. Uh, We see one instance of Jesus resting in the boat as they were out to sea, and there Jesus was asleep, and uh, a storm was raging, and Jesus was just there in the boat on the sea, uh, just resting. And so Jesus was telling his disciples, we need a way to get out of here. And it may have been for fear of their safety. Maybe they felt like they would be crushed by the crowd that was coming in. Or perhaps Jesus was giving this command simply because they needed to escape so they could breathe for a moment, so they could rest. Both of those things uh, could be true, and maybe both are true. And Jesus is preparing for uh, this crowd that is, that is coming upon him and coming uh, upon he and the disciples in verse 10 since he had healed many all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him now since he had healed many uh, all who had diseases now i don't know if mark is saying that every single person in all of these regions who had a disease was there perhaps he could have been he could have been saying that every single sick person was there or he could be using all as a way to say a lot a lot of sick people were there and there were no doubt a lot of sick people there and maybe there were all of the sick people in all of the region maybe all the ones who could walk went there and all the ones who couldn't were were taken there by someone else but again Mark is making this picture for us. He's he's telling us the crowd is there. All of these regions of people have come here. All of the sick people have come here. And so the scene is set. It's a hectic scene with Jesus at the center of it and everyone trying to get to Jesus and where He was. They were trying to get to Jesus because they were attracted to Him because of what He had done. Either what He had preached or all of the healing that had uh, taken place. Whatever it was, this crowd was attracted to Jesus and who he was. So much so that Mark says uh, that that um, since he had healed many, excuse me, since he had healed many, all who, were, who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him. They were pressing toward him to touch him because they knew that Jesus could heal him, could heal them. If they could just get to Jesus, they could be healed and they were pressing in to Jesus. Now, I would say that the same thing should be what our goals should be in life. And that is that we should be pressing in to Jesus. When we read through God's Word and we see Jesus preached to us and taught to us and when the Holy Spirit reveals to us through the Word and we see who Jesus is, we see that He is loved, we see that He's giving His life on a cross for us so that we can be forgiven, and we see who Jesus is, that should be attractive to us. And for many people, it is. And those people are called Christians because they see what Jesus has done. And that type of love is very attractive. And I've got news for you. It wasn't just attractive in Jesus' day. It's attractive in our world today. The type of love that Jesus had for people is something that this world needs to see today. Now, Jesus could miraculously come back and, and walk around among the people, I suppose, if he wanted to. And one day, Jesus will return. But until that time that Jesus returns, it is you and I that he calls to go out into the world. It's you and I that he calls to make his love attractive to the world. That is, when people look at you and uh, you and me, who are Christians, who have placed our, 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 our trust in Jesus Christ we should be making a good impression on the world. We should be living our life in such a way that people see the love of Christ in us. Now, I believe that there are probably people in this world today who have the gift of healing. Now, I don't know how many people there are, but we may not have that gift to heal people in the way Jesus did. And no doubt, if we did have that gift, people would be attracted to us but even if we don't have the ability or the gift to heal in the same way that jesus did there are qualities about us that should be attractive to the outside world looking in the way that we handle ourselves the way that we carry ourselves the things that we do the things that we say that the way that we treat other people the patience that we have in things that may come up all of those things that people see about us as a christian should look different from those who are not christians and most of the time they do the 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 qualities and the things that christians do should look different to the world it should leave a good impression on the people that we encounter and when we live for jesus in the way that we should when we properly represent him uh, when we are his ambassadors who are going out into the world and we are showing people the same type of love and mercy, and compassion that Jesus did, then that is going to be attractive to people. That is going to cause people to want to press into us, so to speak. Now, not that I'm implying that we are trying to get people to us and not to Jesus. We are trying to get people to Jesus. But sometimes people come to Jesus through us. And when you encounter someone in your life who is a Christian that you respect, that you trust, that you know as a man or woman who is walking in obedience to the Lord, and you see how they've lived their life, when you have an issue or a problem or a concern, those are probably the brothers and sisters in Christ that you are going to go to. Now, there may not be many in your life. I will say that there are not many of those men and women in my life that I feel like I can press into. Those people that I say, you know what? They have wisdom. They seek the Lord. They live for the Lord. They are in God's Word. They will give me good advice. Maybe not advice that I want to hear, but they will tell me what I need to hear. They will give me encouragement when I need it. They will give me correction when I need it. They are a wealth of knowledge. They are a wealth of wisdom from working uh, and walking with the Lord all of their life. And those type of people are attractive to me and maybe to you too. And those are the type of people that I want Want to press into that I want to learn from why not because I want to worship them but because I want to draw closer to the Lord and when we see those people in our life who are walking in obedience to the Lord and who we look at as wise and who we look at as mature Christians those are people who we want to press into and that should be our desire as a Christian that we are growing in the Lord. That we are maturing in the Lord. That we are loving in the same way that Jesus Christ loved. That we are compassionate in the same way that He is compassionate. That we are our faithful representations of who Jesus is. So that when the world sees us, We will be those that people can come to, and we can help them, and we can help raise them up in God's Word. Not so that they will look at us as being special, but so that they will draw closer to the Lord. We should be disciples who are making disciples, who will make disciples, who will make disciples. That's a pretty good technique. And guess what? It works. It's proven it works. How do I know that? I read the Bible. Guess what? Jesus took 12 men. I'm getting into next week now. It's okay. I might repeat myself. Jesus took 12 men and he poured himself into these 12 men and made them disciples and taught them and they pressed into him and they learned from him and they grew under him. And when Jesus was gone, guess what they did? They went out and they did the same thing to other people. And guess what? We are still doing it today. Christianity is still growing strong. So the the method that Jesus implemented for us, no surprise here, is perfect. It's a perfect method. And that is what we as Christians should be doing. We should be pressing into those other brothers and sisters in Christ who are walking faithfully with the Lord, who can help us to grow in the Lord and give us their wisdom. And we should be those that others look at as attractive to them so that when they see us, they see Jesus. So that when they see us, they don't see us. They see Jesus. And if they do see us, we can say, nope, it's not me. It's Jesus who is in me. And Jesus was very attractive to most of the people he encountered. Obviously not all. We know that from the last few verses in the last few weeks. Jesus wasn't attractive to the Pharisees. They hated him. They wanted to kill him from the get-go. But there were no doubt thousands, maybe even millions in Jesus' life that came to Him that were attracted to Him, to who He was, to how He lived, and ultimately to what He did by giving His life on the cross. And if we are in this room today, if you're here today and you're a Christian, that is why. Because you are attracted to what he did, because you realized that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. You realized how beautiful it was that he gave his life for you so that you could be forgiven. You see the love he had, you see the mercy he had, you see the grace he had, and boy, you say, I want that. I don't want what this world has because this is nothing. This just brings me hard times. But Jesus brings me joy, and that's what I want. And that's what we should all want as Christians. And we uh, should desire to be those uh, who grow in the Lord. And the way that we become those who grow in the Lord is that we do exactly what the crowd here was doing. We ourselves as Christians must be pressing into Jesus. We should have that type of desire, that, that zeal in our life that says, Look, Lord Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to be closer to you. I want your healing in my life." And these people who were coming to Jesus maybe for the right motives or maybe for the wrong, maybe some were just looking for a healing and had no desire to serve, but some did desire to serve. Some did desire to follow Jesus. Some did desire to be His disciples. We know that from the text because there were many who followed Jesus. And we should be like those who recognize who Jesus is, who recognize what Jesus has done, who recognize that we are a new creation in him if we come to him, and we should be seeking to press into Jesus. We should be seeking to reach out to Him, to touch Him, to hold on to every word that He has said that is printed for us in God's Word, to hold on to every example that He has given us through His actions and things that He has done, to seek His Word, to study His Word so that we would show ourselves approved so that we can learn what He says and learn what He means and read these parables that are so simple. And read these words of wisdom that we see in the books of Proverbs. And we need to be pressing into the Lord. Now there are some Christians who may be saying, Well, boy, I'm not, not growing in the Lord. I come to church and I don't get anything out of out of out of singing. I don't get anything out of preaching. I read a daily devotion. I don't get anything out of it. It's because you're not pressing into the Lord. You're you're, you're going through the motions, but you're not seeking and pressing into the Lord with all your heart. Because when we do that, when we really seek the Lord, we find Him. That's been true 100% of the time in my life. 100% of the time. That when I earnestly and genuinely and humbly seek the Lord, I always find Him. Now, there are some times where I say, Oh, Lord, I'm calling out to you, I'm seeking you, but I'm saying the words, but I'm really not humbly, genuinely seeking. But every time that I genuinely, fully reach out to the Lord and am broken beforehand and am calling out to Him for guidance or for help or for a request or whatever it may be, every time God is there for me, every time He hears my prayers, And that should be our desire as Christians, and that should be what drives us. We should be driven to press into Jesus, to call out to Him, to reach out to Him, so that He can bring uh, healing into our life, forgiveness into our life. Now, ultimately, being a Christian is doing just that. If you're here today and you've never uh, accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then then these verses tell you what you must do. You must recognize Jesus as the one who can heal. He is the one who can heal, but not just our worldly diseases and, and, and things that we go through. Yes, He does. I believe through the power of prayer. God heals. I don't doubt that for a second. But the real need that we have is not that we get over our sickness, even as bad as it may be, But the real need that we have is that our soul be saved, that our sins be forgiven. That's the healing that we need. By his stripes, we are healed, not from the cold that we have, but from the problem and disease of sin that we have in our life. And when we hear about Jesus, if you've never read God's Word, then read God's Word. Don't read it all. If you, if you say, oh, I can't read all that, well, just do me a favor. Just read, read the book of John if you read nothing else. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read about Jesus. See who Jesus is. Seek Him. Look at what He does. Look at how He lives. Look at how He loves. And I... I would venture to say that that's probably going to be attractive to you, although I know to some it's not. I can't see how it's not, though. There's nothing more beautiful and more attractive to me than what Jesus Christ has done for us. And when we read that, when we see that, when you hear that preached, maybe today you are here and you've never realized how good Jesus is, how much He loves you. I want to tell you today that He loves you. I want to tell you today that He died on a cross so that you could be forgiven. I want to tell you today that He's full of compassion and He's full of grace and He's full of mercy. He's there to carry your burdens. He's there to take your heavy loads. Look, when Jesus was in the text, you may be seeing, well, look, the crowds were pressing against Him and sometimes He just went off and left them. Well, guess what? Jesus is here now to carry our burden. Just when Jesus was ministering, he was a man. There were times that he needed a break. Uh, there were times that he had to move on from place to place. But now that Jesus Christ has fulfilled everything he has done on the cross, he is there for you 24-7, all day, every day. He will never leave you and forsake you. He is there for your burdens. He's not going to, to wander away from you. He's not going to go to another person, another place. He is everywhere, all the time. He is there for you, and he is one for you to reach out to him and touch him he is wanting to heal you but you have to come to him you have to acknowledge who he is you have to accept him as your lord and savior and accept what he has done for you so that your sins may be forgiven and that you may be healed And some of you feel the pressure of the burdens and the pressure of your sins and the shame and the guilt and all the sorrow and everything that comes with that. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is here for you. Jesus is waiting. And all you have to do is just what these men and women did in this passage, to seek Jesus with all you you can, to come to Him, to reach out, to touch Him, to know that He is the one who can heal you and He is the only one who can heal you. If you're not pressed into Jesus today, I want you to call out to him. I want you to come to him. If the Holy Spirit convicts you and is leading you today, I don't want you to to, to turn away from Jesus. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you're saying, boy, my, my Christian life's just not very good. I'm not very excited about Jesus. Well, the cure for that is to press into him, is to reach out and to seek him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And when you do that, when you press into Jesus, he will leave an impression on you. And it will be a wonderful impression. It will be an impression of joy. It will be an impression that when other people see you, they will be impressed by what Jesus has done in your life. And you will leave an impression on them. And they will leave an impression on the next person. And all for the glory of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these words. And God, I pray that if if there's one here today that's not yours, God, I pray today the that they would realize they need healing, that they need forgiveness, and that that comes in nobody other than you. There's no way else we can be forgiven other than the precious blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, dear Lord. And I pray that you help us never to forget that. I pray that you help each one to know that. God, maybe there are some in here today and they are yours. And God, maybe they're not living a good example for you. Maybe they've been an impression, but not a good impression. God, I pray that you would help us to be a good impression on the world. I pray that you would help us to be faithful servants that would, uh, when we go out into the world, that that people see you in us. God, that we make you attractive because you are attractive, Lord. Through everything that Jesus done, he was attractive, God. And if we are followers of Jesus, help us to be attractive to the world too. Help us to see the areas where we fail. Help us to see the areas where we need to change, where we need to grow. And I pray that as we see those things, God, that we would seek you, that we would reach out to you, that we would pray to you, that we would be in your word, that we would press into you that all we have, God, so that we can have a a good impression, dear Lord, in our life and on the lives of others. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.